morning. It is good to see you today. Welcome to everyone listening online also. Man, we are chatty today. Good seeing, good seeing everyone. We are continuing our sermon series entitled Nest. This is the concept of what the church represents. It's the comfort, it's the safety, it's protection, but ultimately it's what's inside of the building that matters most. Nest. Today, it's the message is entitled Before You Fly. We've been tracking the, the lifestyle of the nest so far where the, the mom builds it, the, the, the dad builds it, builds all the protection, builds what's in it, and then lays the eggs. And we've been tracking all of the eggs so far, and now they've hatched. But they're not ready to fly yet. I, it's still prepping. It's still growing. It, it, they're, they're not ready quite yet. And there's this wonderful uh, verse found in Acts about that. Acts chapter 20, verse 7 through 8. On the first day of the week, we came together to break bread. Paul spoke to the people and, because he intended to leave the next day, kept on talking until midnight. There were many lamps in the upstairs room where we were meeting. This, this concept, this story, represents almost like Paul is the mama bird in the nest, and all of these new believers are the eggs that have hatched, if you will. There's an illustration at play here. This is the early church. Paul is, is instructing this town, this city, of what it'll look like before they launch into the full ministry of everything. And this is, this is what's unfolding. What, what happens in the meantime? What happens when you're not fully taking on your calling and your purpose yet? It, it's the, the meantime, if you will. See, baby birds, when they first hatch, they're, not, they're obviously not ready to take flight. They're blind. They're featherless. They, they can't protect themselves. They can't feed themselves. But eventually, their baby feathers grow in. They start seeing. But they're still not ready to fly yet, right? They're, they're just in the nest, and they're kind of biding their time. And I think that's the state of a lot of Christians in churches today. It's like, Okay, I'm a believer, I'm born into the faith, now what? And sometimes we can grow complacent in that and comfortable in that season. And so Paul is working with these young believers into taking charge and taking flight in their city. They're getting ready to launch into their full ministry. So number one, pre-flight growth. Pre-flight growth. Before you fly, you have to have certain things working on inside of you first. A, feathers. Feathers. A bird's not real great without feathers. Well, I mean, they're great to eat without feathers. But they're not great to fly <laughs> with, <laughs> without the feathers. Thanks, Virginia, for laughing. I appreciate that. <laughs> feathers. Do you know when a, when a baby bird, bird is first born, there's an initial set of feathers come out. It's those feathers are just to keep the bird warm. You don't fly in those feathers at all. Likewise, as Christians, we, we first gain this um, love and this passion, this fire for God, but it can slowly die out. Have you ever seen a youth go to camp and they're so on fire for God, but then moments later they're not? That's like the pre-flight feathers. It keeps them on fire. It keeps them warm. But it doesn't matter until they're fully growing out their flight feathers. It, as, a, as a believer, are you working on 
what will cause you to soar on this, li- this planet in your life? Are you working on what will take you far? Are you working on how to lead people to Jesus? Are you working on how to develop discipleship? Are you working on those aspects? Because those are the flight feathers of what we're talking about. That's the illustration here. See, the first set of feathers are just about you. Well, I don't like this. We'll get over it. The second, fed- second set of feathers is about soaring. It's about nourishment. It's about flying. It's about, it's about mating and then laying m- new eggs. It, it, the, the world opens up with the second set of feathers as believers. That's the discipleship time. That's what Paul's doing in the supper room. He's saying, you know what? You, you met Jesus. You experienced Jesus. But now I need to teach you because you're about to start a church for the city. And you need, to, you need some knowledge on that. And so Paul's sitting in this upper room teaching them and instructing them and working with them. And then the second aspect we're pulling out of Scripture is independence. The baby bird has to have independence to fly, right? When, when they leave the nest, they don't go together and the mom bird doesn't stick with them forever. No, they go like that. They don't go like this. They're, they're, they're independent. As you're growing in your faith, your dependency can't be on another person to keep your faith strong. Your dependency has to start having an independence to it of saying, I'm in a bad mood, I can worship myself, rather than brooding around for a week waiting to yell at some pastor just to get whatever off my chest. No, you, you can grow up a little bit. You can talk to God too. We, we, can, we can all have independence and go to God. And then see... The third aspect of this bird in the nest, they're, they're growing on the inside, is the muscles. You know, a baby bird is sitting there, you know, they're all scrawny and like th- their neck looks all weird and everything. They're, they can't do anything except for sit there. But eventually, over time, their muscles are developing so they can take flight. What is this representative to a, a, a believer, a Christian? It's the strength of God. That's what, that's what I'm getting at here. That's the illustration. Do you have the strength of God in this season to sustain you in the next season? Because sometimes, like, we're in a bad season. We're just, this, this is daunting, it's draining, it's frustrating, it's annoying. It, you know, you're just in a season of the, you know, like the meh off of um, whatever that one emoji movie. You're in that, you're, thank you, <laughs> you got it. <laughs> you're in that one season. And then all of a sudden, you enter into a new season, but the only way for you to sustain in that next season is if you understand you have to pull on the strength of the Lord, the strength of God. That's, that's what you're growing at right now. Don't discount and throw away this season just because you're frustrated. Say, God, you're teaching me to have strength right now, to pull on your strength and not just sustain myself and my own strength. This season, work on your feathers, your independence, and your muscles, if you will. Then what else happens in the nest? Acts 20, verse 9. Seated in a window was a young man named Eutychus, who was sinking into a deep sleep as Paul talked on and on. When he was sound asleep, he fell to the ground from the third-story window and was picked up dead. kind of like a dark sense of humor in this one right 
like we're talking about the birds, the babies, you know, they sometimes follow the nest. This young guy falls out of the nest and, and is presumed dead. Everyone sees him as dead except for Paul. It's kind of interesting. So in my study on the scripture, young man, <coughs> I've always taken his face value when I read the scripture. I was like, oh, young man, like 18, 21. Uh, it represents the, the, the young generation, right? I looked it up. The Bible actually puts a number to it, and I was pretty shocked at it. And it, it, this number throws back into Genesis. This is talking about um, the age of a husband over a family who has the mantle that he's strong enough to work to provide for others. Is that crazy? That's what young man means. It really means a man who has the strength to provide. And I was like, oh, okay, this means us. <laughs> this is a lot of people. This isn't just someone who's young, who's just immature, who's whatever. This is a person who has the mantle of the weight of providing for their family. This, this age, I, I looked up the number in Genesis, when it reflects on young man, it's, it's talking typically around 40 years of age. Okay, that's a little bit different than I was expecting when I first read the scripture. It's interesting. So in reality, when Paul's speaking, we have to look at what's happening in the nest. Because age obviously isn't a factor. The age of this baby bird really isn't a thing. It, it's, it's all of us. When we're sitting there and God's speaking to us, there's some kind of warnings in the scripture that I want to talk about. Some pre-flight symptoms, point number two, if you will. So what happens sometimes when, when we've come out of the, the shell, the baby bird, and before we've taken flight, it's the, the meantime, the middle, the pre-flight symptoms. There's some things that can sometimes cause us to die, if you will, spiritually or physically or whatever, or get so depressed, we get so frustrated. The word dead says this, was picked up dead. The word properly is lifeless, deceased, departed, or separated. But it's also used as a metaphor in the Bible, meaning spiritually dead or cut off or walked away. It's really interesting. There, there's some symptoms that can cause us to get like that. And it is wrapped up in this young, young man Eutychus, who is probably older than me. Symptoms are A, comfort. Eutychus became comfortable when he was really supposed to be growing from Paul talking and equipping them. He grew comfortable in the waiting. He grew comfortable in just sitting there. How many times in our faith have we just been in a season for so long that it feels like it's no longer a season and it's just life? And it, we can grow comfortable, and the scary thing is that can cause us to fall asleep where we're at. We can almost say, you know what, I stopped moving forward so nothing's happening. But in reality, God's saying, no, I'm trying to grow your muscles. I'm trying to grow your strength because your next season is too strong, too powerful, and I can't have you fizzle out on that. 
uncomfortable. That, that is a crazy symptom you need to watch out for. B, complacency. Complacency. Meaning, you know what? I've seen it all before. It's going to be the same again. Same results. I'm not even going to try. Oh, I know how this is going to end up. I know how this is going to wrap. I know all all the stuffs. You know what? God's going to show up the same way he always does. And blah, blah, blah. We can grow complacent. And that's deadly. Don't ever grow complacent in your faith. Don't ever presume you know it all. Because you don't. Or else your name would be Jesus or God. And you wouldn't be here. You don't know it all. Don't grow complacent. And the third thing is control. Control. Are you consumed with having control over your entire world that you have stripped God's job away from him? You can't have control over your entire life. God is the one who's in control. And when God's in control, your life is completely different. I heard an illustration once. If you have your brand new car, okay, let's say you get it off the lot, you get your brand new car, you know, like, how much worry do you have over your car when you go to a parking lot and it's like, are you going to park in the nice closed stall right next to all the shopping carts, just people throwing them in, the kids, like, riding them? (laughs) You know, you park in a different spot every time, right? Okay, so imagine you get the same car from a rental company and you got the insurance. You don't care where you park, right? You got the insurance, you pay the $6, it doesn't matter. It's like, I'll just park. <laughs> you know, you're not even all the way in the spot. You're already getting gross. You know, there's different because, one, you have, you have to take control of what happens to your brand new car versus, two, you have someone else covering your car and they have control over it you have zero stress over this one but this one you're thinking and you're in the shopping center you're like i gotta hurry because what if someone dings it what if someone scratches what if someone this one you're like i can take all the time i want doesn't matter you know because one person has control over it and the other is you having control same with our lives you have control over your life and there's a whole bunch of stress there's a whole bunch of anxiety there's a whole bunch of well, what if my daughter did, what if my son what if well, uh, you know and you're worrying all the time and that's, that's what I'm getting at here. Are you in control of your life, or do you hand it to God saying, God, you're in control, and if you give me a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom, I will speak over my child. But you're in control. Because they're, they're vastly different, and <laughs> your health depends on it. And your, your happiness, and your joy, and your worship all depend on it. You know, other people depend on you giving your control to God versus you having control over it. It's craziness. Pre-flight symptoms. Please, don't be like Eutychus. Your, your age doesn't matter. We're all in this together. We're all in this upper room with Paul speaking to us. And your complacency, comfort, and control will cause you to fall out of it. Don't allow that to happen. 
final, final verse part of this. So the, the verse is broken into three sections, and this is the last section. So this, the first one is Paul speaking for however long. I would guess around six hours so far. Then this boy falls out of the window. He could be a 40-year-old man. Falls out of the window. And then now here's the last section. Acts 20, verse 10 through 12. Paul went down, threw himself on the young man, and put his arms around him. Don't be alarmed, he said. He's alive. Then he went upstairs again and broke bread and ate. After talking until daylight, he left. That's like, that is, that's a long church service. The people took the young man home alive and were greatly comforted. So Paul got two sermons when he just came for one. You know, you know what's interesting about this, this whole story is I, I was doing the math on it. It's probably around a 12-hour sermon, if you will. Um, it's a lot of sitting, 12 hours, probably about six hours before he falls out, and then he falls out, get him up, and then another six hours of teaching. We don't have one word recorded of the sermon. 12-hour sermon to launch the early church. We don't have one word of it. All we have is the actions. Your actions speak louder than any words you will ever say. Any words that you will ever say to a coworker, to your child, your actions speak volumes. What are you doing at work? What are you doing in your family's lives? What, what are the actions that you're taking place? It's one thing of like, I love you. Hold on, I'm busy though. You know, whatever. Your actions of spending time, your actions of showing love, your actions of, of taking someone somewhere, doing something, those actions speak far greater. And that's why it's recorded in the Bible over any word he said for 12 hours. Okay, we're going to try the 12-hour sermon today, by the way. So just, <laughs> just get, get some more coffee. Number three, pre-flight actions. So when we're in the meantime... Not only are we growing internally, not only are there symptoms we need to avoid, but there's some action items that we have a charge of. <clears throat> and it's listed out of what Paul does here. A, embrace the hurting. Paul threw himself down, threw himself on the young man, and put his arms around him. There was one person in the community that was hurting, and Paul identified him and embraced him. In your life, while you're sitting in the nest, before soaring and all of the above, if you will, one of the biggest things you can do is identify the hurts around you in your community and embrace them. Is there someone hurting around you? Is, is there someone who's just, ugh, you can embrace them. B, speak life. Paul went down, threw himself on the young man, put his arms around him, and he said, don't be alarmed, he's alive. He proclaimed he had life, even when everyone else thought he was dead. Proclaim life. Look for the dead things around you and speak life over them. You know, I think one of the most discouraging things is when everyone talks about that one cousin or that one uncle, and you're just like, everyone, just, everyone has something bad to say, right? And you have the option to say three things. One, yeah. They are like that. B, keep quiet. Or C, say, you know what? I'm going to pray for them. 
you can identify the dead things and start proclaiming life over them. And I think it's misleading because it's, it's one thing, because we we've always been said, you know, if you can't say something nice, don't say something at all. And by speaking nothing, you're allowing that person to die off silently. Speak life over those moments. And see, this is the easiest one to miss, but in verse 12, or I'm sorry, verse 11, then he went back upstairs again and broke bread and ate. See, is build community. Build community. Even if you're in a season that's dire, dark, whatever it's going on, look for how to build community in it. Because community will get you past whatever's going on, and it'll lift up the people around you. It'll lift you up. That's, that's the critical item here. Build community. Build community. Let's pray. Lord, you spoke into us today. I, I just pray that we'd identify when we're in a season before takeoff. We need to equip ourselves. We need to grow. We need to trust in you and let you have control over everything, God. Lord, don't allow us to fall by the wayside. Don't allow us to, to just be nothing. But God, we want to start seeing life spring up. We want to start seeing things happen. We want to see your miracles take place, and we want to see you be Lord of all. Let us build community, and let us trust in you and grow in strength because the time for flying and soaring is next, God. And we need to be ready for it. As we activate our purpose in our own communities, we need to be ready for it. We need to have the strength to carry on. In your mighty name, amen.